and welcome to another episode of the Digiday Podcast. My name is Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Alex Lee, a gaming and esports reporter, for a special episode. One of the burgeoning topics from last year was the metaverse. I think a lot of people kind of first discovered what the metaverse was, first heard the term metaverse, and really wasn't sure how it would apply to their life because I feel like a lot of the focus was around um, gaming and applications around gaming. So for people not in the gaming space, not you know working in that space, not interacting in that space, the metaverse kind of seemed like this nebulous, um, murky online world. And one thing that happened last year was platforms like Facebook decided to kind of dive headfirst into it, build their own metaverse. And I think that got people talking. Um, but I wanted to invite Alex on the podcast to kind of do a quick deep dive into what the metaverse is. Um, we've done a lot of coverage around it at Digiday. And Alex is actually later this year launching his own podcast that will get into this topic a little bit deeper. Um, but I wanted to have him on today to introduce the metaverse to our listeners so that when we talk about it this year, it feels a lot less scary. So welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for the warm welcome, Kaylee. I'm happy to be here. I can just kind of jump right into my personal definition of the metaverse. And yeah. first of all, before defining the metaverse, I think it's important to say that this is not a new concept. Um, the term metaverse was coined in 1992 by the science fiction author Neil Stevenson um, in the novel Snow Crash, which sidebar was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. Uh, it's actually the reason why I'm interested in covering this stuff in the first place. Uh, in that novel, uh, the metaverse was a virtual world that people accessed using VR headsets um, that essentially allowed them to escape from this dystopian real world in which real estate, um, you know, was extremely limited. So in the decades since then, uh, the term has kind of evolved and taken on its its own its own new identity in Silicon Valley. There are a lot of different uh, competing definitions for the metaverse right now. If you speak to a representative of different platforms like Meta or Roblox or Fortnite or what have you, they'll all say something a little different. Um, the modern conception of the metaverse at its core uh, hinges on the concept of a more immersive and persistent successor to the internet. And what mm -hmm. that means is essentially a version of the modern internet in which your identity is persistent across platforms and also uh, a version of the internet in which events that happen and actions that you take are also persistent. Um, you know, you can make a change to a virtual space, you can leave and then come back 20 days later and that change will still be there as opposed to a lot of websites where, you know, if you make a change and reload the website, um, it'll just be gone forever. So at its core, the idea of the metaverse is just an internet in which just like in real life, the things that we do stick with us um, and the way that we form our own identity is consistent across, you know, all the ways we present ourselves and all the different people we talk to. Um, functionally, that can mean a lot of different things. So I think a lot of people have learned about the term metaverse through Mark Zuckerberg's presentation about it over the summer. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, for anyone who's looked at Meta's conception of the metaverse, it's very much focused on virtual reality, uh, which is no surprise because Meta owns Quest um, or the Oculus Quest, uh, which is, you know, the probably the most advanced uh, consumer VR headset available right now. And, for, you know, from using their virtual platforms, uh, I, I totally understand why they're going all in on VR, uh, because VR is a pretty obvious way for 
people to really take control of their identity in virtual spaces. Um, but that's just one version of the metaverse. Uh, if, mm -hmm. you, if you talk to people at Epic Games, for example, they will describe what people are doing in Fortnite, which is operating an avatar, you know, through their console or through their screen in the third person to build things and interact with others as a metaverse as well. So something I wanted to make clear is that VR is not integral to the metaverse, or at least it's not integral to everyone's conception of the metaverse. Really, the most important thing when people say the word metaverse is that they're just talking about a version of the internet um, where when you go to Reddit or you go to Facebook or you go to Instagram, you are the same person. You don't have different profiles or identities across those platforms. You are just yourself moving around in virtual space. Whether mm -hmm. that uses VR or not is yet to be seen, um, but hopefully that yeah. clears things up a little bit. Yeah, it does. And I also have some follow-up questions because I think um, <sighs> there are some really interesting concepts in there. So I think one of the things you had mentioned is that, you know, changes that you make in the metaverse, they stick with you. They're, you know, relatively permanent um, until you change them, I'm sure. But, and I'm sure that changes depending on which metaverse you're in, but do the changes you make impact other users of the metaverse? Like, is the world you're in what's reflected to other users, other people that are interacting in this space? Or I guess, does that also depend based on where you're operating? That's a really good question. And, and I think even the way you frame that question kind of gets to another thing I wanted to clarify, which is, you know, you're using the term metaverse to describe the different smaller virtual worlds that people can occupy. You know, you're describing those as different metaverses. And that is something that people are doing. Uh, I would push back against that a little bit uh, and say the metaverse is just the cohesive stitching together of all of these different platforms and virtual spaces. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm being really pedantic here, but... Just to, I guess, clarify how I'm approaching it, I would describe, um, you know, Minecraft or Fortnite Creative or Meta as metaverse platforms. Together, they are the metaverse. Um, Got it. Now, in terms of whether, you know, a change that you make will affect someone else in the same virtual space, uh, that kind of gets at the concept of interoperability, which is something else that is very important to the metaverse. So... I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going all over the place here, but sidebar and interoperability, um, the concept of interoperability essentially means that you can transfer identities and, and virtual assets across platforms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the concept of true interoperability would be expressed in, for example, um, acquiring in-game currency or items in Fortnite and then being able to use those items and currency in Roblox, uh, which is a completely different uh, game slash platform. In Neil Stevenson's conception of the metaverse and what some people would, who have been following it since the 90s would describe as the true idea of a metaverse, then yes, absolutely, these platforms will all be inter interconnected um, and they'll have an interconnected economy. And thus, as a result, like, yes, if you create something inside one platform and spend money inside one platform, you know, the reverberations of that will be felt throughout the metaverse. This is a pie in the sky idea. The reality right now um, is that these worlds are still pretty closed off. Uh, like, for example... You can have your own Horizon World space. That That's uh, Facebook slash Meta's uh, sort of incipient metaverse platform right now. And in terms of the persistence of your personal space, it's it's absolutely persistent. I mean, it's, it's wild how much uh, time I've spent in that platform right now. And this is just, a, I guess, an anecdote. But when I demoed the platform, um, I was essentially given just like a blank white room, just like a square room. And now, I mean, it's just like full of stuff. I've blown it up on all kinds of different places. 
It looks kind of like a bombed out wasteland. There are like giant rocket launchers everywhere. And every time I come back, I'm reminded of previous things that I did. So in terms of my own personal metaverse world within one platform, it's absolutely persistent. If someone else came in who, if they're friends with me, they can do. Someone who's friends with me can enter my world. Um, they'll see the changes that I made the last time I logged in for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that requires them to have access to my world. Uh, for the most part, the metaverse as it stands right now is a bunch of walled gardens in which, like, yes, there are persistent and immersive changes happening within them. Um, but it doesn't really turn into a true metaverse until those worlds are combined and, like, you know, strangers can come and interact with my world. Uh, and that obviously comes with a whole host of other problems and security issues. Right. And I think based on how siloed or, or walled off the existing platforms in Web2 are, I have a hard time estimating when that interoperability would happen um, just based off of how many different profiles people have across the internet, right? Like you have to have a login system for every website you go to, you know? So I'm I'm curious to see at what point a company like Meta mm-hmm. would allow another, you know, Roblox or something to connect and link those uh, worlds. Because until that point, right, like it's not necessarily the metaverse that people are excited about. It's just kind of a, mm-hmm. almost like a gaming system, a video game kind of environment. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. And a couple of thoughts on interoperability because, and I'm glad we, we are talking about this because I, I really think that interoperability is the crux of what makes something into a true metaverse. And, and you're right that we may never achieve it. One thing that makes me feel a little optimistic is that, you know, the web two, the current version of the internet that we're using, um, is starting to implement interoperability in in a a few different ways. I mean, you might not think of it in the same sense that I'm talking about, but when you go to a random website and it gives you the opportunity to log in via Facebook or Google, that's interoperability. Mm -hmm. That is maintaining a persistent identity across different platforms. Like the fact that your profile on Facebook can also be your profile on Uber, that's interoperability. You are yourself, the same person across multiple platforms. virtual platforms in, in a sense. Now, the reason why these platforms do that is because there's an obvious economic incentive. So that's kind of the, there needs to be an economic incentive for the platforms to create interoperability. When it comes to sharing Fortnite V-Bucks with, you know, Roblox dollars, I've spoken to a few different people who are trying to, to build their way toward this kind of interoperability. And, um, <laughs> The ones who are most optimistic think that eventually the the player base of metaverse users across platforms will start to clamor for it and demand this sort of interoperability because they see like sort of premature forms of it in other platforms so Mm -hmm. much to the point where, you know, the big corporations will have no choice but to, uh, you know, cave in and allow that sort of interoperability. I don't I'm not as bullish on that as these people are, that's kind of the pathway that they see. Right. So a lot of this, to your point, is very kind of pie in the sky, future, what we want the metaverse um, to kind of look like or how we want it to work for us. Um, Currently today, I'm curious about how much it's already impacted either the platforms that we use, the, you know, websites that we go to, or 
the way in which like we do business because I know a lot of um, a lot of companies have been kind of toying with the idea of bringing virtual workspaces to the metaverse in order to you know connect remote workforces. I think that's just one example, but we also see a lot of brands talking about you know the economic side of it, like building virtual storefronts in the metaverse or, um, mm. you know, creating virtual, you know, goods and tying it back to the blockchain and NFTs and et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of different applications that we're already starting to see. What, I guess, excites you the most about what's happening currently? You mentioned you spend a lot of time demoing um, Horizon, you know, metaverse platform, but I'm curious, like, what else is already currently happening today that you think our listeners could either be participating in or should be keeping an eye on? Probably the most exciting thing, at least in terms of, um, you know, brands getting involved in the metaverse, um, is that it's like an entirely new e-commerce opportunity to sell virtual goods that actually have some kind of value. So a lot of people roll their eyes at the mention of NFTs, which is fair. And, um, you know, if, if your if your conception of NFTs is only like board a Yacht Club profile pictures, then I understand and share your antipathy towards the concept. But where where they can actually have value is a virtual world where items can literally be used. So um, all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing brands like Gucci, um, Vans, you know, mainly fashion brands, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, investing in creating digital versions of uh, their garments that can actually be worn. And that's really powerful. Someone um, gave me the example of, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, a lot of these top line fashion brands started to offer fragrances, which are priced much lower than their higher end items, but sort of act as a way for consumers to feel a connection to the brand and start building a connection to the brand when they're not able to, you know, afford the full items. And I think, I think virtual commerce is like an even more accessible way for brands to start reaching consumers who might not otherwise be able to purchase their products, especially right. like the younger people, uh, teens and younger who don't have as much disposable income, but spend their whole lives inside these platforms. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not there yet with things like Roblox because Roblox is COPA compliant, which means you cannot click on something inside the platform and have that bring you to a store. That's just not possible. But I just I have a feeling that that's something that they're working on. And in general, I mean, you see Nike moving at like light speed, trademarking all kinds of virtual things, hiring virtual item producers. Um, I truly believe that virtual commerce is going to be huge in the future. And I think I think Gen Z and younger owning something virtually is the same as owning something physically to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they don't have the skepticism that that we might have or people older older than us might have. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, the last year has shown that there is real money being thrown at NFTs already. Um, whether or not it's that more collection mindset or investment mindset, people are spending, you know, the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of you know U.S. dollars to buy a piece of what people might consider digital art. But you know, I think there is the future of application. You know, NFT technology in general is really interesting, like smart contracts, having everyone um, have a very definitive record of what's going on. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of application of it, and I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how it ties into 
the metaverse, um, you know, this coming year. Um, before we close it out, I also wanted to talk about a recent article you wrote, which is um, focused on Meta's Vivek Sharma, who is kind of leading the charge um, to transform Horizon at, um, you know, Facebook's parent company. And I thought it was a really interesting article. I think we had, we've talked about Horizon to a good degree already, but I think a lot of people still have it in their mind that Facebook, maybe it was their introduction to what the metaverse will be. And I think a lot of people still feel like that's how they would maybe eventually enter into the metaverse as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about your profile, why you thought it would be you know, a good piece to do, and ultimately maybe what you learned about um, Meta and their you know, Horizon platform? Absolutely. So uh, the reason why I think Vivek Sharma was a really interesting person to profile in terms of metaverse builders is because his career, um, I think, perfectly shows how people are trying to bridge between or build a bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. So if you look at Vivek Sharma's career, um, he's been in Silicon Valley slash big tech for about 16 or I think, no, 20 years. He spent 16 years working at Microsoft and everything that he's done before now is essentially porting a different aspect of real life or a physical life into different online platforms, essentially building like the subcomponents that could eventually be stitched together to form a metaverse. If you look back at his time at Facebook, the two products that he was in charge of, um, of developing prior to Horizon were Facebook Marketplace and Facebook Gaming. Facebook Marketplace especially is very metaversal um, in, in some ways. First of all, it is building, I mean, it's, it's building community it's uh, allowing people to connect with others through objects um, in, in some sense and, uh, you know, basically creating like a virtual bazaar or marketplace that, you know, could eventually be part of like the, the Horizon metaverse. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, I think Facebook gaming kind of obviously is a lead in to the metaverse because, as you pointed out, most of the leading platforms and creators who are operating inside virtual space have come out of games such as Roblox and Fortnite. Um, and I know that he has a lot of great relationships with creators who he essentially woo wooed to come over to Facebook gaming and mm -hmm. are now sort of like the, the first crop of native creators inside Horizon Worlds. And so Sharma's career just illustrates that the metaverse is not like this new replacement for the internet that will just turn on on the flip of a switch. It really is just kind of like the logical next step after building all of these subcomponents and sub online communities and ways to transfer what we or translate what we do in real life into uh, virtual life. Yeah, like combining those subcomponents into one virtual space where people can do all of those things under one identity and just, you know, kind of have a virtual existence that maybe seemed very foreign. Um, to a lot of people. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people still think of maybe Ready Player One or some of those other, you know, futuristic, I think you mentioned dystopian kind of realities where you have to escape to virtual platforms. But it's really interesting that this can happen and it's not an escape. It's kind of an add-on to the way we do business, the way that we interact with people and the way that we, you know, even buy things. Um, so 
all this to say, the metaverse is a topic that we're going to be covering quite a bit at Digiday. And I think it was really great to have you on and explain your you know, view of it because you're the one that's you know closest to this topic on our editorial staff. So thank you so much, Alex. I would also love to give you a few moments here to just kind of explain what you're going to do with your podcast that's coming up this spring. Um, you obviously are you know, going to be getting more into the metaverse, but what is your vision for um, your podcast? Uh, well, first of all, Kaylee, thanks for letting me, for giving me this platform to talk about this stuff. I, I personally don't feel like I've elucidated anything about the metaverse. It's all just like so theoretical. But yeah, I, I think what I was saying about uh, Vivek Sharma uh, and and his role in the metaverse is kind of a great segue into what I'm trying to accomplish with this uh, podcast, which is to essentially map out the metaverse and uh, show the companies that are building those different subcomponents that could eventually be stitched together to form a true metaverse. Um, we'll be talking to companies who create virtual events. We'll be talking to companies that are trying to develop interoperability between platforms. We'll be talking to uh, representatives of some of the top level uh, fashion and luxury companies that have started to create virtual versions of their garments. And so eventually, I hope to essentially create a map of the metaverse that uh, shows how essentially every aspect of physical life and society can now be accomplished in virtual space in some form. Amazing. Well, I am looking forward to listening to it. Um, thank you so much again, and I will see you on Slack. Thanks, Kaylee. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode. 